Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Yes, it's Gavin McGough. I'll be your host um, this evening. Happy Halloween, listeners, um, and happy election season. We are in the final week before Election Day. Uh, The ballots are out. They're going to be in mailboxes if you haven't found them already. Um, And you've got a week, just a week left to fill them in and bring them to a drop box before 7 p.m. next Tuesday, November 7th. Um, you can also do in-person voting on election day in Norwood and in Telluride um, or wherever else you're registered. Uh, we've pretty much done it all here at Koto News. Um, we've heard from the school board candidates, the town council, mayoral candidates. We've heard the Progressive Women's Forum. Um, and we've brought candidate statements in Spanish. Tonight, we are going to be looking at sort of a final topic, and these are the ballot initiatives. Um, so these ballot measures are all questions that appear before voters kind of as a, to make a direct decision on an issue. Um, it's often a tax. So we'll hear about some of, um, some tax measures from local districts tonight. Um, but there are also other things going on. So yeah, um, there are six throughout our region. Not all six appear on every ballot. Um, but uh, we'll cover them all because they're, they're in the area. And then we'll break the show into chunks so we can discuss each one. Um, and we'll play a musical chairs throughout the hour uh, with different representatives and advocates for these ballot measures. All right, those are the details on tonight's show. Um, and I have only one guest with me to start, and that is... Uh, Todd Bittner, who is the superintendent of Norwood Schools. Um, Todd, welcome, and thank you for uh, spending a couple, a portion of your evening with us. Thank you so much. Um, so, you are here to discuss the ballot measure 5B, um, which is a Norwood School mill levy. It appears on the ballot in... Uh, the Norwood School District area? Correct. Um, will you tell us about 5B? What question is it asking? Um, it's asking, it's going to voters um, to have a 14 mil increase for basically a $10.2 million bond to meet a best application to create a new PK-12 school for our region. Um, I think we could talk a... Uh, Often in, in, in great detail on the need, I think our community has made it clear that they understand the need. But there's great concerns about the dollar amounts. We're talking about a very large project. We're talking about a project that's totaling approximately $69 million. If the Norwood voters uh, and Montrose voters that are all part of the Norwood public school system see it within their hearts to, to vote for this bond, um, the ramifications are we've applied for a BEST grant last year and we apply for a new BEST grant this year that has a request from the state, the Building Better Schools initiative, for $59 million. If the voters vote yes, um, then within our ballot measure, it is written that their bond only kicks in if we receive a $59 million best grant match. Um, that's a one to six ratio, which is pretty significant. There's been some concerns in the community about the breadth of this particular project. Well, it's a big project. It's also a project that needs to happen because we're trying to build a school for our community that lasts for the next 50 to 75 years. And um, I think every, every kid in every, every community needs to have something that is built of quality and is built of, of uh, longevity. Yeah, and will you um, dive a little more into that for uh, you know, listeners and voters who um, are less familiar with the school directly? Um, what is the current facility 
like? What's it lacking? And what would the new one, what sort of opportunities would the new one bring for students? Well, um, first and foremost, um, we have we have three buildings that are all attached uh, via uh, a breezeway intentionally. We have a 1958 building, which is a small portion, which has a old stage and multi-purpose room. We have a 1968 building, which is intentionally, you know, is, is, is actually the high school. We've got a gym, some science classrooms, and some classrooms um, that provide support for our students, including our uh, some of our administration and our counselor. And then that's attached to a building that was built in 1997. That building was built um, from a $3.6 million bond in 1997. The building itself um, really uh, it was a building that was uh, designed to to be with our school, but it has had some issues with it. We've had some water percolating through our floors from the foundation. We've got some sinking of our building. We've got some very significant water issues that were happening, um, ironically, in a community that uh, struggles with water. Uh, water is an issue with one of our with one of our set buildings, and that's our kindergarten through eighth. But really, our high school, um, they built a flat roof in 1968 in an area that gets just a skosh amount of snow um, and a little bit of heavy weather. And uh, that's created years and years and years of significant issues. We're talking about nearly 60 years of issues that we've got water draining through any kind of large storm. Um, We've got staff members that have to get up and shovel if it snows more than three or four inches of snow. and sometimes, and that's in sub-zero temperatures. Uh, when we don't shovel, that means we get rivers falling down inside of our building. We've got we've got water falling in between the substrate and the brick in the building. The brick is starting to pull off of the building. And top all of that off, the 1958, 1968 buildings are laden with asbestos. And we know from uh, the 80s and 90s that asbestos is a very, very bad uh, fire retardant and that just just abating, just getting rid of that properly and healthily, it's going to cost over $5 million just in the removal of that. Our kids are, or have not been exposed because we've done a lot of mitigation, but it's fighting a losing battle. The building is deteriorating at an exponential rate, and every day, uh, K-12 principal and my staff worry about the kids' safety, not to mention multiple access points in the building, not to mention the fact that it's on a public street, and we can't even do repairs to this building because the building wouldn't meet any safety and welfare standards for today. So um, we've looked at several different options. We've looked at trying to build a building on the existing property. But what we need to do for the building and what we need to do for our sports and our athletics um, is probably put an entirely new facility together. Um, The town of Norwood and the school district came to an agreement on 19 acres um, to, to put in a new building. But what the design is on that building is going to be community driven. How we build that building is going to be community driven. And, and that's the most important part about that bond. Um, do you have details on how much this would raise uh, property taxes kind of per 100000 or per million dollars of assessed value? Um, per month or year? I do. I, well, actually, what we have is, you know, it's approximately $94 per 100000 for personal property. But that's not the kicker. You know, you know there is a... And, and that would be per year. That is per year. Okay, so $94 per 100000 per year, which comes out to just about $8 a month uh, per 100000 the other side is is that if you have a commercial property, you're talking about three hundred and seventy eight dollars per one hundred thousand per year, and we understand that this puts a tremendous burden on our commercial property owners. But a very similar burden was placed in ninety seven. A very similar burden was placed in ninety eight. And as we go through our generations of people and communities, these are certain commitments that 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 we're asking our our voters to take. And and to be honest with you, you know, um, I live in the community. And I have to pay the same taxes. Yeah, and touching on the um, the note of um, cost in your community discussions, in your outreach on this ballot measure, what have you been hearing? What sort of questions and feedback um, have people been uh, coming forward with? 
Well, you know, you know, we, we actually had a question box. That's funny that you bring that up. They asked questions like, what's going to happen with the current existing facilities? We're hoping to be able to have partnerships with our local community in the town of Norwood to make sure that those facilities can keep going on and keep being community access. You know, um, the people want to know, how long will it take to build the building? Well, if we pass the bond, we get the best grant um, this coming spring, they'll start building in June. 18 months later, hopefully by December of 2025, we'd have a new building. Um, folks want to know about different options. Um, one, of the, one of the scariest options that, that are there, but it's real, is that if a building doesn't get built, what's going to happen? And, and the reality is, is that if we don't build a building, it's going to be deemed unsafe at some point. And uh, the West End has a brand new building. Uh, Telluride is looking for new bonds. And the worst thing that could possibly happen is us lose our school, as it is a central point for most community activities. Mm-hmm. Um, as I understand, you're pretty new to the position of superintendent. Is that right? I am. In Norwood. Um, so this is probably your first uh, ballot measure you've worked on in this area. What has that process been like? Um, um, what have you taken away from it? I, I, I guess I guess for me is that every community has its challenges and has its focuses. And to be honest with you, it's, meet my ex- it's met my expectations. I mean, when you're going out to a community that works as hard, I mean, we have amazing agricultural families that have been very successful over many, many years. This type of bond hits them very hard. This was not done lightly. Our school board did years of work prior to coming to this. So when I came into this position, the foundation was read. The foundation was written. We have a master plan that we use the community to help develop. And and I understand the trepidation. I understand the concerns. But I also understand the needs because I was hired to make sure that we have a safe and healthy environment for our kids. That's what we're trying to provide. All right. Do you have any um, closing messages to voters on this issue? I just I hope folks come out to vote. I hope folks come out as as quickly as they possibly can in the next uh, seven days and and come out and and vote, uh, understanding that our community needs our school. All right, listeners, um, I'm joined in studio by Todd Bittner. He is the superintendent of Norwood Schools. You're welcome to give us a call at 970-728-4333 if you'd like to join the conversation on this off the record. Um, We're discussing uh, regional ballot initiatives tonight. And next up, we will have the Telluride School, um, which is bringing a mill levy in uh, this district. Um, And in the interim, we will cut to some music and be back with um, Dylan Brooks, who will be next up. All right. Stay tuned. This is Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. My electro. They did the match. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. The scene was rocking, all were digging the sounds Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds The coffin bangers were about to arrive With their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five They played the match They played the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash They played the match It got on in a flash They played the match They played the monster match out from his coffin, Rex's voice did ring. Seemed she was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, Drax a part of the band And my monster mash 
is the hit of the land For you, the living, this mash was meant to When you get to my door, tell them what is sent you Then you can mash Then you can monster mash The monster mash And you my graveyard smash Then you can mash You'll catch on in a flash Then you can mash Then you can monster mash You're tuned into KOTO Tell Your Eye. This is off the record. Um, we are going to uh, move on to our next ballot measure, um, which is uh, 4B. Um, and that one is an annexation of RICO into the Telluride School District. Now, this one was a pre recorded ahead of time with Sarah Lyons, who is um, an advocate, a parent, and a RICO resident. So uh, it'll, it'll work a little differently, but uh, we hope you enjoy. It was a conversation we had this afternoon. Um, and yeah, here are the details. I'm here joined uh, by Sarah Lyons, um, a resident of RICO. Uh, you're here to talk about 4B with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to um, add to your intro? No, I just, I guess I will say that I am a parent and I have two young boys that go to school here in Telluride, um, but we live over in Rico, which as a lot of people are learning, we do not belong to the Telluride School District and that is what 4B aims to achieve is to include Rico and a little bit of the surrounding area of Rico in the Telluride School District. Right. Um, so just for a little backstory on this for listeners, um, students in Colorado have a choice, school choice. Right. Um, so lots of people in Rico are already sending their kids into Telluride schools. Um, is that correct? Yes. I would say almost every child that lives in Rico goes to school here in Telluride. It is the closest school to Rico that is open. Rico school has been closed since 2017. And their other option would be to go in the other direction, which is Dove Creek. Dove Creek's the district that we belong to. Um, Dolores would be the next closest school, but that school doesn't have to take our kids either if they are um, limited on space. Um, so what does your ballot measure um, propose and what question is it asking to voters? Um, it's asking voters if they 
would like to vote yes to include the Rico Fire Protection District in the Telluride School District. So that would extend the boundaries of the Telluride School District up over Lizardhead Pass and through the town of Rico um, to the county line. Um, that would be the Montezuma and Dolores County line. So that would include us in the Telluride School District, and um, that's about all it says. It also just includes the fact that we will be still paying a bond measure to the Dolores County School District that was passed before any of this came about. So that's I think it makes the question a little bit confusing, but um, usually those ballot questions are a little bit hard to read. All right, we'll take a minute to dig in. Um, but just to uh, kind of start with why this is an important question or why this question might have impact. Um, you had a bit of experience um, with the school district. Uh, will you go into that a little bit and talk about why um, actually including RICO in the Telluride School District will um, kind of change things for RICO families? Well, um, we... Originally moved to Telluride in 2018 and uh, lived here about a year until we got needed to move out of our rental because it was selling. So we were looking at places to buy in the area. We ended up finding a place in Rico and of course there's no school there and we knew that. We were asking people in the area, is this going to be a problem for us with our two young boys? are we going to be able to access the school in Telluride um, consistently? And a lot of people live in Rico and have for a long time. They've had kids graduate from Telluride. They've never had a problem. Everybody told me it's not going to be a problem, but I was still very hesitant. Um, it was okay for about three years. We had no problems, even though you have to every year apply to Telluride and say, we'd like to choose this school. Do you have room for our kids? It was usually yes. <clears throat> and uh, two summers ago, I got a letter that says I, they have room for one of my kids and not for the other. So immediately I panicked because I was without a school for one of my kids. And uh, that's when I started contacting the superintendent of the Telluride School District and the Dolores County School District, which is the school district that Rico belongs to now, saying, what am I supposed to do? And they were very helpful. They were calming me down and just telling me, well, we have to take this one step at a time. And um, back in 2002, this very thing was tried, that they were going to annex RICO into the Telluride School District, and it, it didn't pass. And I think it was mostly because of a lack of education. People were concerned that RICO was maybe leaving Dolores County, and that was going to take county funding from the whole county. And other things that were just confusing to voters. So we've really tried to just be very transparent and give a lot of education about the fact that this isn't going to cost Telluride voters any more money. This isn't going to cost RICO voters any more money. And it's not going to take money from the Dolores County School District. It is really the nicest transfer that could possibly take place because all the kids in RICO, almost all of them, go to Telluride schools already. So they don't have to change schools, and it's not going to cost any of the taxpayers any more money, which is always really nice. And uh, RICO will just be included. Our kids will actually belong to this school district, and for me, that will feel really good. And, you know, as my kids get older, I think that's going to feel really good for them, too, that they really belong here. You know, they have a lot of minor pride, and they're really cute. They really have a lot of school pride, and I want them to be able to dig into that and feel secure here in Telluride schools. Right. Um, instead of <clears throat> their spots kind of um, being applied for every year, once they're included in the school district, those will um, be guaranteed. Exactly. Yes. Will RICO, will RICO voters be able to vote in um Telluride school district elections? In anything that pertains to the school district, we will still be separate. Um, we will still be in Dolores County, and um, all of the school district will be tied together, though, and it will 
you know, it will expand the pool of people that could be board members or that could contribute to the school board in um, any way that those RICO families could help out. It would be really nice. Um, and, you know, like I said, all the kids in RICO already go to school here. So it will be nice for it to just be official. Our um, tax dollars for the school will come to Telluride, um, any of RICO's school allotted tax dollars and um, our kids will just have a place that they can always be guaranteed admission. This uh, kind of the passage of 4B depends both on um, what comes out of this Telluride vote but also what comes out of the Dolores County vote. Do you have any reflections on that or um, on campaigning in two places here? Well, yeah, the uh, ballot measure in Dolores County is 5A. So you'll see signs around town that say 4B, 5A. So the 5A measure is on the ballot for Dolores County. And um, I was just over there yesterday knocking on people's doors and leaving them flyers. And, you know, the feedback I've gotten from the Dolores County end of it is good. I think they can see that... um, the school has only been open just about, I don't know, 10 years in the whole past 50 years. And uh, it's really um, would be nice for the Rico kids to actually have somewhere that they belong. And um, so I think that they're seeing it. And I think that the education we've done over there has been really helpful for them to just understand that we're not trying to leave their county. We're simply trying to have a school district that is accessible to our families in Rico. Um, all right. Is there anything else you'd like to add on this ballot measure um, or any closing messages to voters? Oh, I would just ask that everybody really consider um, a yes vote on 4B. Um, it's, it's already where our kids go to school, and uh, it's not going to cost any of the taxpayers any more money. So that's always nice when we're not asking for, for more funding. All right. Sarah, thank you so much for um, coming in today. Thank you, Gavin. All right. That was a conversation um, with Sarah Lyons on 4B, the RICO annexation. Uh, Hopefully you found that informative and interesting. And next up, we are joined by Mayor Pro Tem, Mian Fee, who's going to talk with us about a few ballot measures which have come out of town council session this um, year. Perfect. Well, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Welcome. Should we start with 2A as the alphabet goes? Sure. So absolutely. that one is going to ask us about um, Tabor Lodging Funds. Mm-hmm. Will you uh, tell voters a little about um, question 2A? Sure. You know, I think for both of these um, ballot in- issues, um, they're really housekeeping um, um, methods for us. Um, 2A is the authorization to retain the lodger's tax revenues. Um, This is a required Tabor question. It's Article 10, Section 20 of the Colorado Constitution. Um, In 2021, the town electorate approved a town lodger's tax. And while this read is a new tax, according to Tabor, it was more like a modification of where the tax was collected. The 2% lodger's tax existed prior to the election, but was collected through the county and then passed on to the town of Telluride. In 2021, the town asked the electorate if they could repeal the county's tax of 2% and then directly implement their own tax, our own tax of 2%, and it passed, which is why we are here today. Um, In doing that, the town was required by Tabor to estimate how much it is expected to make in the first year of tax collection. Um, the town had estimated $1 million would be collected in 2022 for the town lodger's tax, um, and that was based on two previous years of budget of 725 in 2020 and 700 in 2021. Um, despite projecting in excess of previous budgets, the town ended up collecting $1.163,598, um, which is, of course, $163,598 over, uh, over $1 million. Tabor does let entities keep the excess amount generated by the new tax only if the town electorate approves the retention of the excess amount. Um, and so this is unique and quirky provision. It's, um, 
It only is required in the first year. After this year, uh, collections in excess of that amount are allowed to be retained without voter approval. Um, so in short, the ballot language reads, may the town of Telluride keep all revenues collected in 2022 in excess. Um, the town's just requesting permission to keep the approximate 164,000 of additional funds it's collected. Um, it's really important to note, um, should this not pass, these funds would have to somehow be divided amongst every single individual who paid the lodger's tax, um, which is typically our visitors, and we do not have collect direct. Inf- we do not collect direct information about. So um, this is just something that we're doing to make sure that we can continue to run smoothly, and after this year, it will um, not be an issue. So uh, Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, it has all these different protections for. Um, Colorado taxpayers is the kind of the shtick of it. And um, basically you're saying is part of that is after a new tax uh, is collected, um, any excess collections have to be approved by the voters. Um, after the after the tax is approved by the voters, we have to estimate what we think that tax is going to be, um, how much we're going to collect. And so we estimated a million dollars, um, thinking that we were well in excess of what we would actually collect. And what ended up happening was we just collected a little bit more than we anticipated, which, thank you. Right. <laughs> so... Um, you know, and and where does that mo- where does that money come from? Why was it overestimate? It was a it was a banner year for lodging in Telluride. Um, I think what it looks to be is that you know as the um, inflation of that year came into be, it was about a seven percent increase that we kind of saw in our lodging uh, revenues and um, average daily rates. And so, as a result, because of that inflation, the taxes collected on the on the average daily rate. Rose as well. Right. So a vote yes uh, on question 2A will allow the town of Telluride to retain that excess lodging tax. Exactly. Um, And what will town do with that money? Affordable housing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Specifically, or will it just kind of go towards... um, you know, a number of goals. Is is it specified directly to um, um, a certain project? The town lodgers tax is directed to the affordable housing fund. All right, there we go. Um, and if voters opt no on 2A, will the town have to go find those people who paid the tax? Yes. What we've sort of loosely thought that we would have to do is take every single um short-term rental owner, every hotel company, every short-term rental company, return the funds to them, then they would have to go out and seek the individuals that paid that tax. And we're talking, I mean, really, ultimately, we're talking maybe a dollar or two a person, um, maybe even less than that, and then return those funds to those individuals and then prove that they have done so. Right. And, you know, I had thought that there was some provision where... um you know, town could bypass that process and just give sort of a more general form of refund. Is that correct or is that incorrect? That's not my understanding of it. And I think, you know, I think Tabor is an incredible set of parameters for us to be able to be held responsible to the voters and um, following the letter of the letter of the law is what I think is in the town's best interest in that regard. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, all right, so that was housekeeping task one. Mm-hmm. Um, you have another task for us, which is 2B. Um, this is on the Telluride ballots, um, just like the other is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has to do with definitions. Yes. Uh, will you fill us in? So this is a home rule charter amendment. Um, in short, this is some minor language change to the charter so that the town of Telluride can continue to coordinate its elections with San Miguel County um, and sort of broadly with the state, with national elections as well. Um, Telluride Home Rule Charter uh, specifies that the regular municipal elections are held in November in odd number years. And this is to enable the town to coordinate with the San Miguel County clerk and recorder. Um, This is beneficial for both entities. It supports voter turnout. It it reduces the confusion around election day. Um, Currently, our charter uses a unique qualified elector language, which specifies that qualified electors should live in the town of Telluride at least 22 days prior to the election. 
However, the state and most other jurisdictions, including the county, require 22 days within the state of Colorado alone, not specifically the town of Telluride. And so this change is important and it's essential in order for the town of Telluride to continue to coordinate elections with the San Miguel County clerk and recorder. Um, If the change is not made, the town of Telluride would be required to facilitate their own elections separate from the county and other national elections, which would be costly and really confusing to the residents. Um, So uh, the shall the Telluride Home Rule Charter in the following sections be amended by deleting the text that is lined through um, and then adding the text that is capitalized. Um, So when you see the ballot, that's how it is going to read um, so that we can align the definition of what a qualified elector is with what the state's definition of a qualified elector is so that we can can conform to the state of Colorado Constitution and the state of Colorado election codes. Will you dive a little more into that language? What is um, the current definition for Telluride versus the definition for Colorado? So it it's a pretty simple little change, but has huge far-reaching consequences. Um, the town of Telluride requires that you have 22 days within the town of Telluride prior to the election. Um, the state, however, and the San Miguel County require 22 days within the state of Colorado. So it's a broader definition of what a qualified elector is. Hmm. So sort of if you were to think about the change, somebody who is living in Colorado and moved to Telluride one day before the election could still vote in a Telluride election? They could vote in any Colorado election, yes, if they are living in that jurisdiction. Right. Um all right. Interesting. And and why does this go before um, voters? Why wasn't this just something that town council could uh, vote on internally? Because this is our home rule charter. And so the voters get to decide if we make any changes to that. All right. Um, and so a vote yes will allow uh, Telluride's elections to continue to be coordinated um, through the county and state process. Um, a vote no will be a big election headache, it sounds like. <laughs> is yes. that correct? <laughs> I think so. For I think for everybody involved. We want to make voting as easy and accessible to you know the people that live in Telluride as possible. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for um, your time this evening, Mayor Pro Tem Mianfi. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add um, for listeners about this business of town council? Um, and, you know, what uh, they'll be faced with on the ballot. Um, I think I was just actually saying before we got on the radio that my mother sort of always instilled in me that voting is a responsibility, and um, I hope to see everybody turn out and cast their votes um, for however they feel serves them best. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, you are tuned in to Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. Um, we are discussing ballot ballot measures that appear on ballots across the region. Um, and next up, we have the hospital district. Um, and they have their question is number 6A. And joining us to discuss question 6A in the, ho- the Telluride Hospital District area there. We have Deanna Colliker. Um, Dr. Colliker, welcome. And thank you for joining us on Happy Off the Record. Halloween, Gavin. Nice to see you. Yes. Uh, thank you um, for coming in on this uh, spooky evening um, and discussing uh, the ballot measure. You're here. Uh, you're well known as an ER physician. I mean, you need no introduction, basically. Um, but you're also the interim CEO of the Med Center right now. Um, and have been making the rounds to talk about 6A. So um, here we are. And what what question does it present to voters? So um, I just want to thank Kodo for um, having a, including us tonight on um, your election night um, info. And happy Halloween to all the listeners, all the kids out there. It is quite sporty. Um, <laughs> so I am here talking about uh, ballot measure 6A, which would be a uh, yes on 6A means a 3.25 mil increase for the Telluride Hospital District. Um, it will um, 
allow for some um, additional revenue um, to the hospital district vis-a-vis the medical center to allow us to continue providing um, all the services that we currently do, including comprehensive primary care with integrated behavioral health, as well as 24-7 emergency services um, to um, locals and visitors alike. And that increase would be um, for a, a property owner who has um, has their property valued, say, at a million dollars. It would be an $18 a month increase or $220 a year. And just to clarify, what are the boundaries of the hospital district, which... Um, property owners and voters will be seeing this question um, based on where they live? So our hospital district currently mirrors the um, R1 school district. Um, that, that might change next week, um, just slightly with the addition, the annexation of RICO, but right now it mirrors the school district. All right. Um, when you've been making the rounds kind of discussing this question, what uh, has been some of um, the community questions um, and what what have you been hearing from folks? You know, I've, I've certainly heard a lot of surprise. Um, people, you know, over the past few months as we've been getting the message out there that the medical center has been having um, some financial hardships issues, um, mostly related to a mismatch between increased costs for services, staffing, um, equipment, medications, and then decreased reimbursement from um, payers. We, we have realized um, an almost $3 million loss over the past two years. And so many people you know, did not recognize that that was an issue. Um, and so I, I think that's probably the most common thing that I've, I've come across is um, just kind of surprise. Mm-hmm. And will you dig into a little bit more of sort of the background of this ask? Uh, you know, different districts are asking for money for different purposes, Norwood is the school district is looking to build a school. Um, the hospital is specifically looking to kind of get out of a tricky financial situation, um, which you noted. Will you talk a little bit about what that process has been like this summer and just what's going on with the med center? You know, when, when faced with this, um, the realization of our financial situation, we were, our, our hospital district board of directors were challenged by what to do about this. And so one option is to, you know, reduce overhead, which would mean cutting services that we currently provide, or finding some sort of alternate revenue stream, um, which is what they ultimately ended up deciding upon and, and going for this um, this ballot initiative and increase in the mill levy. And so really the, the idea is we, we want to continue offering the services that we currently do, despite the fact that we don't get reimbursed for all of them. And there are lots of reasons for this, but that is really why our board of directors has decided to go to the voters and look for um, some a, a subsidy, you know, to allow us to be able to um, cover the shortfall that we have and that we expect to continue to be able to pay our staff, um, you know, a competitive wage. Um, to be able to ensure that we can provide the best service to our patients, um, as well as enhance some of the services that we currently do, be able to provide patients better access um, and uh, shore up security and, you know, fix that ailing building that we we exist in and, you know, have um, some, some money in reserve um, so that we don't have to come back to the voters again and don't have to, you know, look for alternate sources of revenue moving forward. Right. Um, 
And the hospital district has received some kind of stopgap or bailout funding in the very short term from area governments um, that will get things uh, over the line to March if this um, if this measure passes. And March being when funds will be available from um, property taxes. Uh, oh, we have a caller. Let's um, let's see if they are desiring to ask a question um, about one of our ballot measures. Hey there, you're live on Kodo. Hello, can you hear us? Hello. Hello. My phone isn't picking up super well, so we're gonna clear the line. Here we go. Hello. You're on Kodo. Hello. Hey, sorry about the long ring there. Um, I'm glad we got you on air, and thanks for uh, hanging in. Um, what what question do you have this evening? Uh, there's a couple of issues that uh, Dr. Colicker has not mentioned. One is the uh, Five million in receivables, um, and uh, if you could address that, and also um, whether the dispute, the recent dispute between the former board chair Richard Betts and Dr. Grundy, um, had anything to do with those finances. Those two questions. Thank you. All right. Uh, listener, thank you for your call. Um, Dr. Diana Kalika, do you have any um, answer to that? You know, we we do have um, a large amount in um, uh, gross AR, in, uh, in accounts receivable, several million dollars. Um, and that's because this problem that we find ourselves, this problematic situation that we find ourselves in, did not occur overnight. It has occurred over a, a long period of time. And, um, you know, I, I will firmly admit that a good portion of that AR is um, is likely not recoverable. We are... Currently, though, in the process with a brand new billing company that started October 1st, and we are looking at all of the um, accounts receivable that are able to be collected. Um, and so there, there is definitely an issue that goes with timely filing and, and lots of regulations um, and difficulty being able to contact patients and, you know, be able to get some of those payments. But we're working on that right now. And I'm, I'm confident that we've actually partnered with um, an exceptional company that has already showed us um, uh really huge steps forward to being able to bill effectively moving forward and to try and capture as much of that AR as we can. Um, and I can't remember. No, none of our issues um, that we have financially right now have anything to do with with any problems that we've had previously all right we have another call here let's see hey there you're live on kodo i'm live on kodo this is dj joshy g doing the brothers ross later i'm going to come in a little early tonight and do a halloween special is that okay gavin Oh, that is excellent. This is just the news oh. our, our, um, our listeners were hoping for. And uh, thanks. We'll look forward to that. Is there a specific time or just uh, tune in whenever? I'll, 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 I'm going to try to get started at 8 o'clock. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Josh G. Um, Brothers Ross right. will be coming in for a Halloween special, everybody. Thanks for the voter update. All right. Cheers. Okay, well, I think that was a question for me and not for you, um, Diana, so hopefully I took care of that one. Um, and, you know, we are kind of at the, at the end of our time. This ballot measure is a bit complex because there's, you know, lots of backstory and it's asking for money, which is difficult this year when there are a lot of big asks. Um, but, you know, we've covered uh, what a vote for yes would be. Um, we've covered a little bit on what a vote for no would look like, which is kind of... Uh, a drastic change of what the med center can offer. 
Um, will you share some just closing thoughts or messages for voters on this issue? Yeah, I just, you know, I appreciate everybody's um, thoughtfulness about this. And, and you're right. Um, it, it is always hard to ask voters for money. And we, it was hard for us to ask the municipalities to help us out in the interim to get us to um, that March uh, time frame when when we'll be able to collect on um, mill levy dollars. And so we're thankful for our partners with San Miguel County and Town of Telluride and Town of Mountain Village and TMVOA. And I just hope that voters will consider uh, when they vote um, on 6A that yes means that that will sustain um, the health care services that we currently provide at the Telluride Medical Center. Um, and I hope everybody has a safe and happy Halloween. All right, Donna, thank you so much for coming in tonight. Thanks for having me. All right, next up, we um, are going to move on to, oh, which number is it? 4A? It's 4A. Uh, and this will be our last for the evening. Um, I'm joined by uh, Dylan Brooks, um, uh, torn away from trick-or-treating, is that right? Absolutely. Uh, all right. You are, uh, he is a member of the school board in Telluride um, and is here to talk about uh, 4A, which, uh, what does that ask voters? Um, thank you for having me. And oh, thank, thank you for you. being here. Uh, thanks to Kodo for making this space available. Uh, this November 7th, we will be voting on issue 4A, which is a bond proposal from the Telluride School District in the amount of $31.8 million. And that those funds are directed 56% towards workforce housing, 23% towards infrastructure historic preservation, um, 12% to site improvements, 7% to energy efficiency and sustainability, and uh, also rebuilding a science lab. So, uh, these funds are uh, carefully planned, and we went through uh, a year of gathering community input and making sure that anything that the public felt was extraneous that uh, did get, get uh, stripped out. Um, this is a, a very focused issue. These bonds will be issued for a maximum of a 20-year term. When paid off, uh, the tax taxes that support those will automatically roll off and taxes will go down at that time. Interesting. So um, this is, uh, there is a limit on this in order to complete the work. Yes, it is a li limited scope, limited time, limited duration. And uh, in my two terms on the school board uh, and uh, five of those is treasure, we've worked really hard to be good stewards of the taxpayers' funds. We have kept total uh, bond mills at under 14 for that entire period. Um, and uh, we were over 14 20 years ago. This is in, in a typical range. We're not looking at a uh, significant uh, expansion of the tax rates um, versus uh, the historical ta tax rates. Uh, the total number of mills uh, will be calculated only after passage and uh, after uh, bonds are issued. Uh, they are estimated to be lower than one mill in total. Uh, that cost on uh, a million-dollar residential home is in is is less than seventy dollars per year. All right. Um, so you covered some of the things that this would. Uh, do why are these updates um, necessary and important um, now and what uh, is the school district doing and planning um, to ensure that you know these funds are used well um, it's it's a it's a great question because you know from our perspective it, it, it can at times seem obvious that we need to be build teacher housing um, but the truth of the matter is we've had a school uh, operational here for uh, well over a century. We've had teachers, uh, you know, and somehow in the past people have always found places to live. And people can and do. Um, the, 
The truth of the matter is, is that in the teller community, it's become increasingly difficult for people to find uh, a, a place to live at all, and certainly an affordable one. Uh, we lose uh, quite a few good teachers and good staff because uh, in the way they report to us, they can't afford to live here. Housing is the number one issue there. Um, it also works in the reverse. We have managed to uh, attract some very high caliber teachers away from districts that may have actually been paying them more because we offer the package that is Telluride, a higher quality of life. We have increased teacher pay. It's not as high as Boulder or Denver or some of the places we're competing against, but it, 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 the, the, the ability to offer uh, a housing package along with it can completely change, change things. And, and we've got some great new staff this year uh, simply based on the fact that we do right now own 15 units. We're looking to expand that to 45 units over the next several years uh, in uh, following the passage of 4A. And would that involve um, building uh, and construction? Uh, it would be a combination of uh, building brand new uh, buildings on sites that we own, um, it would involve uh, buying into projects that are currently underway, in, including uh, the Meadowlark pr uh, project in Mountain Village, where we have a contract that's uh, contingent upon passage. Uh, it includes uh, looking at RICO if uh, 4B passes. Uh, that's actually one of the uh, possibilities that will open up for us to have additional housing within our district uh, if and when uh, RICO becomes part of it. Um, we are working with the town on uh, their their next phases of, of, of development. We're working with Lawson Hill. We, uh, we're open to all partners, uh, public and private partnerships, and we're looking at a all of the above approach, where uh, which happens to mirror where our teachers choose to live when they're given the choice. They don't all want to live in exactly the same place, and we want to uh, give options to our staff. We're aiming to uh, have the, uh, the, the job satisfaction that is important to keep our excellent teachers and keep our district as one of the uh, top one or two in the state, which is where we perform every year. All right. In spreading the word on this ballot measure, what have been some of the questions you've been hearing from folks? Um, what are their concerns and what are they wondering about? Honestly, the, the biggest concern is, is a general one, which is um, just a, a aversion to increasing taxes at all. It's, uh, you know, my, my biggest fear is uh, that people don't get educated and look at the details. They open up their ballot and just say, I'm not voting uh, yes on any taxes at all that, this fall. I think uh, in speaking to voters about the issue, taking them through all of the details and showing them what the plans are um, and, uh, and, and also taking them through the costs, um, people realize that this really is a reasonable ask, a very uh, uh, small monthly uh, that we're asking in and, 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 and getting very significant bang for the buck. Um, the uh, the uh, Im improvements to the building are something that are uh, absolutely necessary. Our roofs uh, were, were starting to fail. Um, you know, one thing that... I've heard some surprise about is that our new building at the entrance to town uh, already needs um, significant r repairs and improvements. Well, that new building is already 30 years old. Um, the, 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 the building that replaced was built and torn down in less time than, that, that, than that's been up. It was only there for about 25 years. It was a school I did K through 12 in. And uh, I can't wander the halls of, of, of the school I went to because it wasn't well maintained and uh, it wasn't it wasn't built well. Uh, the the other main main school where our elementary school is has been up for 127 years, and it, it and you know it, it's it is a monument, it is a landmark, and uh, will hopefully be here for another century. 
and I hope that the building at, at the entrance of town will uh, too. So we need to continue to maintain those buildings well, make, make the necessary improvements, and that's the other uh, half of the bond issue. Um, all right. Is there anything else you'd like to add on this issue? Um, I would, I would just like to acknowledge the Telluride community that has has uh, shown up time and again to support the Telluride schools. Uh, this the, this school district is one of the things that makes this community special. Um, I did K through twelve in in these schools, and part of why I brought my family back here and have enrolled all three of my kids in the school is because of its excellence. And we need to continue to uh, reach further, reach higher, and uh, strive to have the best staff, the best buildings, and the best education. And uh, 4A will help us get there. So please do support Tired Schools. Vote yes on 4A. All right, Dylan Brooks, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you, Gavin. Um, and listeners, you've been tuned in to uh, Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. It is 7.01 p.m. Um, and this will end our election forums this season. I know it's been a lot. Uh, thanks for sticking with us as we covered all the issues um, in our election uh, season. So I um, hope this made for a good Halloween evening if you were listening live and remember to vote in the next week if you haven't already because by this time uh, next Tuesday, it will be too late. You got to get your ballots in by 7 p.m. on November 7th. Um, you can do that in Norwood at the Glockson building. There's a drop off there. You can do it on election day at the Norwood Town Hall in person. Um, and then your spot in Telluride is going to be the county annex um, by the courthouse on Main Street. There's a ballot drop box there as well as in-person voting early and on Election Day. So lots of options. Have a lovely uh, hollow evening and find all of our election coverage at koto.org. Join us next week on Off the Record for live election coverage as the results um, start to come pouring in. All right. Thanks for listening. You're tuned in to KOTO Tell Your Ride.